Welcome to the Vintage Church NOLA podcast. Vintage Church is a multi-church, multi-city movement of truth, love, and community. For information, visit vintagechurchmovement.com. Well, hey, good evening. Welcome. Welcome to all of you watching online. We're going to go ahead and get started to honor everybody's time. My goal is to be done by 6.30 p.m. So that's the goal. Hopefully we won't go any longer than that. Uh, But let me pray, and then uh, we'll jump in, and we'll uh, get going on the content. Let's pray. Father, we love you. We thank you for loving us. God, we thank you that uh, you have not only loved us, you have given your son Jesus to save us, and God, for those of us in Christ, you are transforming us. And God, that's really what tonight is all about, becoming who you want us to become and being intentional in that journey. And so I pray for our time, uh, God, for the next hour and a half, God, that it would be beneficial, that it would be encouraging, that it would be challenging, uh, that it would be a, uh, a step in the right direction, in the, a step toward Uh, growing into who you want us to become. And so help us along that journey. Uh, We love you and we thank you. We ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, hey, we're going to get started. Like I said, um, we're not necessarily going to take any official breaks, uh, but there's going to be a couple opportunities uh, halfway through and then toward the end uh, where we're going to take a short break to do some uh, personal reflection. So you're going to have a little bit of homework uh, with you. And so uh, I hope you brought a pen. If you don't have a pen, um, let me know. Also hope that you have your, uh, your deep and wide booklet. And I would encourage you, if you go to the back of the deep and wide booklet, you are going to find um, space where you can take notes. And that was uh, intentional because of things like tonight, where we're able to Um, go through deeper content together. And so uh, also you might want that deep and wide booklet because uh, if you've begun to craft a role of life in it, you might be working on some of that um, tonight or maybe even making notes in that as well. So that's there as a resource for you. I did want to um, remind you about three resources, one that we've talked a lot about, two others that we've talked a little bit about, um, that uh, one of them is out at our resource center Um, for you to purchase. The other two you can purchase online. The one we've talked a lot about that's really uh, kind of serves as the format that we're going with is Alastair Stern's Rhythms for Life. Super easy read. Uh, What makes it helpful is that it's more like a guidebook or workbook than anything. That's the one um, that we have out in the lobby. The other book that's really cool and helpful is called The Common Rule by Justin Early. Uh, actually, Nick Perrette, for those of you who are parents and you've got some of the documents that he just gave you, uh, he took a lot more from this book than I did. Um, so it's really helpful. He basically identifies um, a handful of habits that he just says, if we would just start to cultivate these very basic habits, it would be life-changing. And lastly, uh, this book was really my introduction to the rule of life. Uh, it's called Crafting a Rule of Life, and it's, again, Uh, very much like a workbook, 
where you write out a lot, you work through it. Very similar to this book, just kind of a different audience, but still uh, a really good resource. And so those are just a reminder for some of those uh, resources for you. I do want to encourage you, that link will take you to our Deep and Wide page. And literally just today, Chris Wilson, our Media Arts Director, uh, added a bunch more resources on that page. So we're constantly trying to update. Uh, if you're watching online and you're looking for some of the parenting resources that uh, Nick Perrette just handed those here that are present, all of that's online as well. Nick's created a Google folder, and you can download those documents um, and get all of those. So anyways, we're going to constantly be adding stuff to that web page. Uh, if you click the deep and wide link, that's where you're going to find all the deep and wide resources. Originally, if you remember a few weeks ago when we kicked off deep and wide, <clears throat> and I was talking about crafting a rule of life, one of the things that I talked about was the reality that uh, a rule of life is either going to come accidentally or it's going to come intentionally. Because here's the reality, every single one of us are living by a rule of life. It does not matter if you've sat down and put pen to paper or not, you have a rule or habits that are governing your life. Some of those habits you love, some of those habits you hate, right? Some of those habits you're trying to break. Some of those habits you're trying to cultivate more in your life. The point of us spending time talking about crafting a role of life tonight is that we would be more intentional. That we would actually step back, reflect, and ask God, God, how do you want me to rule and shape my life? What do you want me to include? What do you want me to exclude? How am I supposed to live this way? So that's the point of a rule of life, that we would be intentional. Intentional in two ways. And this is really uh, the two questions governing deep and wide and what we're doing in 2021. Number one, who does God or who does Jesus want us to become? We're focused on that, right? Because Jesus wants us to become someone. He wants us to become something. Who does he want us to become? That's the deep part of crafting a rule of life. But at the same time, who does Jesus want us to invite in? And that's the wide part. That's why we're looking at not just deep habits, but wide habits, because Jesus modeled both. There were times when he would retreat and get away to be with the Father, to go deep. And then there were those moments when he would go wide, when he couldn't get people away from him, right? And honestly, as followers of Jesus, we have to do both as well. So, what is the rule of life? What is the rule of life? Is everybody familiar with what this is? What is it? It's a trellis, right? A trellis. Now, the thing is, the reason trellises are so important, and we talked about this in my sermon when I talked about a rule of life a few weeks ago, is because these plants need a trellis to grow, <clears throat> right? It's, the trellis is not the point. The plant is the point. Growing the plant, strengthening the plant, maturing the plant is the point. But without the trellis... The plant doesn't grow. Rule of life is the exact same way. The point is not a rule of life. 
The point is the questions that we just asked. Who does Jesus want us to become? Who does Jesus want to invite us to invite in? That's the point. But we need the support to be able to grow into that. And that's really what a rule of life is. A rule of life began in the monasteries. Centuries ago, monasteries were communities where Christians would go and literally uh, commit to vows of different things, vows of poverty, vows of celibacy, vows of community, and they would live by these rules of life. Now, the word rule is not like follow the rules, right? A rule, that word comes from the uh, Latin word, which really refers more to a standard And so what we're getting at is not necessarily the rules to follow, but the support needed. That's what we're talking about. So I've got three different definitions that I want to give you from three different books that just provide a unique twist on uh, the rule of life. Number one comes from Emotionally Healthy Spirituality, Peter Scazzaro's book. And this is how he defines a rule of life. We have copies, or we actually, we don't have a copy of that book, but it's on our website. Great resource for you to pick up and read. A rule of life is an intentional, conscious plan to keep God at the center of everything. An intentional, conscious plan to keep God at the center of everything. Intentional, conscious plan. Right? Not accidental, not unconscious or subconscious, and not fly by the seat of your pants, right? Intentional, conscious plan to keep God at the center of everything. Also, by the way, if you're trying to keep up with the notes and you're already overwhelmed, all of these notes are online, okay? Or they're going to be online. So don't be too overwhelmed if you don't catch up. You can find them all on that website. Uh, In the book, The Common Rule, here's how he simply defines a rule of life. It is a term for a pattern of communal habits for formation. A pattern of communal habits. A pattern of communal habits. These are things we're doing together. They're habits. They're things we do regularly, and there's a pattern to them. It's not accidental. And then lastly... In our resource that we've been looking at, Rhythms for Life, here's how he describes uh, a rule of life. It's habits, disciplines, and practices to keep you moving in the direction of Jesus with your community. A habit, discipline, or practice to keep you moving in the direction of Jesus with your community. So all three of those definitions really get at this idea of formation, Right, that we're becoming something. And they get at the reality that that formation doesn't happen accidentally. That it requires intentionality, that it requires purpose, that it requires habits, disciplines, and practices. And that's really what we're trying to get at as we think about crafting a rule of life. So here's what we're going to do. That's just kind of a a simple introduction. The first part of this is really, honestly, the most important and the most significant part. We're going to look at discerning who God has made you to be. 
Now, what I want to do is if, if you've read this book, then you're already a step ahead because this book really gets at that. The majority of the first part of the book is all about that. The first hundred pages or so is all about that. And, and here's, the, here's the temptation that you're going to face. You're going to want to skip all of that work and just get to crafting a rule of life. But those habits might help, that work might help a little bit, but if you really want to craft a rule of life, you're going to have to do the work that we're getting ready to talk about. And that's going to help you get to a place where you're able to craft a rule of life that actually works for you. Okay? So what we're looking at is kind of the underground stuff that's going to help you craft that rule of life. So he lists out several things. We're going to go through these kind of one by one. Number one, identity. So when you're thinking about crafting a rule of life, you have to know who you are. I know that sounds kind of obvious, but for many of us, we actually don't know really who we are. Now, he lists three particular things about this identity. Number one, there are misguided stories. Misguided stories. Okay, now the way that he describes these, these are stories, culture, others or ourselves tell us that are wrong. Now, that's a big, huge category because think about the shows you watch, the movies you watch, the commercials that you see, the friends that you have. All of them are telling stories, and not all of them tell the biblical worldview narrative, right? One of the, one of the things that I often joke about is that Disney movies are terrible <laughs> Uh, things for your world, your Christian worldview, <laughs> right? We were joking in our office just even recently. the The Brichetto family had watched the movie Soul, the new Disney movie. I haven't seen it yet, but I know just from the previews that it's like terrible theology, right? Which I uh, listen. I'm not telling you to be the nerd that like you know I'm not going to watch that movie unless it has great theology. However, as a little kid watching those movies they do tend to you know, change what you're thinking and how you're feeling, right? Again, not saying you shouldn't watch those movies. Not saying that princesses and princes aren't cool and fun to watch. But those kinds of things do affect how we think about ourselves, how we think about our world, right? Uh, but also, if someone uh, ever told something to you or shared something about you or treated you a certain way, uh, whether that's positive or negative, even those sorts of things can play into misguided stories. So you have to dig to think about how do I think about myself? What's right and what's wrong? And you have to be aware enough to be able to dissect when that's a misguided story or not. So our identity is formed by misguided stories. It also should be formed by our creational identity. This is where we go to the biblical narrative. We go and look for the biblical worldview. Genesis 1, Genesis 2. That we've been created in the image of God. That we are, despite being created in the image of God, we're still finite creatures. That's not a bad thing, right? We weren't created to be infinite. We were created, meaning we're finite. God's the creator, we're the creature. We're male and female. 
right? Part of being created in the image of God is that we are created male and female. We're created for a purpose. When God creates the first humans, he says, be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth, subdue it, have dominion. There's purpose there. But we're also broken and sinful. Genesis 3, because sin entered the world, we are broken, sinful people. You know, the image of God has been described as like a mirror. When you look at a mirror, what you see is the world should see God, but because of sin, it's like someone's taken a rock and thrown the rock at the mirror. So what you see in the mirror now is a distorted image of God. So we're all of those things. That's part of what defines us as people. Thirdly, there's the redemptive identity. Things like that we're loved by God, we're redeemed by God, we're renewed by God, and we're used by God, right? All of these truths and all of these realities that should tell us something about ourselves. If you're in Christ, then you have a redemptive identity. All of these things should play in to your identity, which will be a part of your rule of life. So your identity. Number two, your gifts and talents. Now I'm not going to go deep into that, but I would encourage you to know what you're talented at and at the same time what you're gifted at, including your spiritual gifts. Now just real quick, a great way to discern spiritual gifts. Prayer, community, Things that uh, when people look at you, they're like, wow, you're pretty, you seem to be good at that, right? The last thing that I would tell you are the spiritual gift inventories, right? I'm not saying that they're all bad. I'm just simply saying that they're flawed, right? Simply because it's like any sort of personality inventory. You tend to become on the inventory what you want to become, right? Also, to say this, I don't think that the spiritual gift inventories in the New Testament are exhaustive. So perhaps God has given you a spiritual gift that isn't even in the Scriptures. And that's where community and prayer become so important in discerning your spiritual gift. Those gifts and talents are part of who you are which will then help you determine what your rule of life should look like. Number three, personality. In his book, Rhythms for Life, I think he really says this really well. Here's what he says on page 40. He says, for better or worse, our personalities influence what we do. Is that not true? For better or worse, our Our personalities influence what we do. For instance, they affect the way we experience God and express ourselves. Right? So here's a great example. Today, our worship gatherings looked a little different, right? The sermon was up front, and then we had a long time of response in music. For the people that love the sermon, they absolutely loved today. Why? Because the sermon was at the very beginning. For the people that love music, they might have hated that it come last, but they loved the fact, probably, that it was five songs together, right? If you are more expressive, perhaps you love worshiping via music, 
but maybe you're more cerebral and you would rather sit through a sermon, right? All of those things, no, none of those things are bad in and of themselves. It's just simply how we process things and how we experience things. That's our personality. You need to know who you are, right? And there's a ton of different personality profiles. The one that I would really encourage you to dig a little bit deeper into is the Enneagram. Now, that's like an equip night in and of itself, right? I don't have time to talk to you about the Enneagram. So here's what I want to do. I want to recommend a book to you. And if you, um, if you want kind of, if you're not like, you don't like to read, then he's got a podcast, Ian Morgan Cron, and that would probably even give you some context as well. This book, The Road Back to You, is a super easy read, and it really lays out for you, number one, what the Enneagram is, number two, the different personality types of the Enneagram, okay? It's a it's super helpful resource. It's not the end-all, be-all. It's also not witchcraft, right? There are people out there that are like, this is of the devil. I don't believe that, but it's not the end-all, be-all either, okay? It is simply a helpful tool to help you discern who you are, okay? Great resource, uh, it's like any other personality profile. You can kind of pigeonhole yourself and then, you know, you can get in trouble. I had typed myself and then Sarah Brachetto swore that I wasn't what I, what, what I thought I was and she was actually right. The more that I read, the more that I probably, she knew more about me than I knew about myself, right? Um, but that's why this book is so great because what I have found, the Enneagram tests are terrible, they never truly help you really identify who you are. But as you read descriptions about different personalities, you're like, oh, that is me. That's how I am, right? And then that helps you to see what are, my, what are the dangers, what are my strengths. Again, you're not pigeonholing yourself. You're just helping put words to help you understand who you are. So personality. So you're discerning who God's made you to be. Identity, gifts, personality. Number four, virtues. Virtues. You might be familiar with the fruit of the Spirit, Galatians 5. That's a virtue list. Paul talks about things like love, joy, peace, uh, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Just last fall, 2 Peter 1, the Becoming series, was a list of virtues. Things like Faith, virtue, knowledge, self-control, steadfastness, godliness, brotherly affection, love. Virtues are so important. Another way to think about virtues are values. What are, you, what are your values? Okay, Some helpful questions for you to think about. Number one, what's important to you? What's important to you? Number two, who, who you are. Part of who you are is going to help determine what you value and then why you do what you do. Right? At Vintage Church, we have three core values truth, love, and community. Those three core values guide everything we want we do. Because we want to be a we want to be a place that values truth, love, and community. And those three values work with one another, right? There have been moments where uh, we've had to uphold truth at the same time of upholding love. 
And in our culture today, sometimes that doesn't seem to go together. But as followers of Jesus, we want to be about all three of those things. So you begin to think about those things. And I would encourage you, a great place to start is those two scripture passages. Galatians 5, 2 Peter 1. You know, yes, you want to be characterized by all of those. But if you had to pick two or three, what are those two or three things that like, this is me? Right? These are the things that clearly define me. One of the things that for me is a value is collaboration. Right? Anything I do, I don't want to do it alone. It's, it's teamwork. It's collaborating. I want to work with other people to, uh, to go farther. Right? That's a, that's a core value of mine. You could say something like knowledge or education is a core value of mine. I'm constantly, one of the reasons I'm constantly learning and I'm constantly growing and I'm, I'm reading new things and listening new th- to new things is simply because I value learning. doesn't matter what it is. Right? I listen to NPR just to learn. That's, I know, it's a nerd thing, right? But that's just who I am. That's what I value. And so you want to begin to identify what those things are, what's important to you. So identity, gifts and talents, personality, virtues. Uh, Number five, roles. This is a really, really, really important one. Again, in his book, Rhythms for Life, this is how uh, he simply defines roles. It's a unique way of being in the world and relating to a person or group. And I thought that definition was so helpful because seldom do we think about like, okay, why, what, why are roles important? But it's how we relate to other people. And how we relate to other people is really important, right? Because you treat your friends different than you treat your parents. You treat your parents different than you treat your kids. You treat your boss different than you treat your spouse, Right? So all of those roles, unless your spouse is your boss, then you're in a totally different scenario. But um, all of those different roles are going to affect how you live in our world. So I would encourage you to begin to like, think about your roles and prioritize what's the most important role. Right? I would encourage you to think child of God, being a son or daughter of God. If you're married, husband, wife, if you have kids, father, mother, friends. Maybe you are a son or daughter and your parents are still alive. Maybe you are an employer or a boss. Maybe you're an employee, right? You begin to think about all of these different things because those roles are going to help you think about all of the different uh, pieces to who you are because those roles play a part in your identity, right? Also understanding and knowing that your roles can change. That in a different season of life, maybe you're no longer the boss. Maybe now you're just an employee. Or you do lose a parent. And no longer are you, you know, really a son or daughter because your parent is gone. So again, those roles are so important. Identity, gifts and talents, personality, virtues, roles. All of that... You take all of that, you wrap it all up together, and you come up with your vocation. Okay, so what is a vocation? It's what my life is about, 
and why I'm here. See, aren't those easy to figure out? You can do that in like five minutes, right? I'm kidding. That's where all of this is like, there's no way you're going to do this in like five minutes. When we tend to think about vocation, we tend to think about our job. But our job is not always our vocation. Sometimes our job and our vocation line up perfectly. Sometimes they don't. What I would encourage you to think about is what has God called you to? Why has God put you on planet Earth? Why do you wake up in the morning? <laughs> Those are deep questions, right? So thinking about vocation, here's how in Rhythms for Life he defines it. It's the way God works in and through each of us using the gifts he has given us to bring flourishing to his creation in all the roles and settings he has placed us in. So all of us have been called by God. The point of our calling is to see creation flourish, to see culture flourish. You could, you could think about it like this. I'm, I'm reading a book right now that talks about vocation. And in that book, he basically summarized Christians are called to worship and witness. That our, our responsibility in life is to worship God and witness to others about God. Now, I'm not just talking about evangelism. Yes, evangelism but part of what he's getting at is we're to live our lives in such a way that when people see us, they see God in our world and they begin to understand more about who God is. That's vocation. Now, all of us do that differently, right? Not all of us have the exact same occupation. Not all of us have the same gifts and passions that, uh, that lead us to do the same thing. Another book uh, that I've recommended in the past, it's called Calling and Clarity. He describes vocation like this. It's the main contribution that your life makes to God's kingdom. The main contribution that your life makes to God's kingdom. So again, you're, you're beginning to think, this isn't just like, how do I make money? This isn't just, this is how I spend 40 to 50 hours of my week. But what you're beginning to think about is, where is there meaning and purpose in my life that adds value to the kingdom of God? Again, <clears throat> it could be as simple as this. It could be that you, are a, a, you have a full-time job, but that you're a parent. And the way that you're adding the most value to the kingdom is by discipling your kids. I know some people don't want to hear that, but that's significant and important. right? Or it could be that your job is just a vehicle to be an encourager. And actually what God has put you on this earth to do is encourage people, and it just so happens you do it through this avenue. Okay? 
discerning vocation, I want to give you three really simple questions that might help you begin to narrow that down a little bit. This comes from Tim Keller uh, in an article that I read a long time ago. Three questions. Number one, what am I good at? What do I desire? And what needs are around me? So chances are, whatever God's called you to, you probably are pretty good at. You have a gifting, you have a, maybe it's a natural gift, but also maybe it's a spiritual gift, right? And so you have something there. Number two, what do I desire? Now, listen, everybody has to do something they don't like. Right? I would love to say that everything about pastoring I absolutely love. That's a lie. I love to be a pastor, but there are things about my job that I don't like to do, right? Things about my calling I don't like to do. But part of the reason I'm a pastor is because the majority of what I do, I desire. Your vocation, you're probably going to desire. And then number three, what are the needs around me? Because here's what God does. God puts you in a place where there are needs, and there are probably countless needs, but the needs begin to align with what you're good at and what you desire. And he aligns those gifts and talents and desires with the need. That's why we need so many different people who are good at so many different things and so many people who have so many different desires because there are so many different needs around us. These three questions, along with everything we've just talked about, hopefully help you begin to craft that vocation statement. Why has God put me here? What's the purpose of my life? What am I supposed to do? So here's what I want to do. I want to take a 10-minute break. If you need to get up and use the restroom, you can, but don't like meander around or anything because there's work to be done right in this moment. So I want you to get your pen, I want you to get your deep and wide uh, guidebook out or your journal, whatever you're writing in, and I want you to think about these questions. Go ahead and put it up there, Chris. I want you to write a rough draft vocation statement, okay? For some of you, this is the first time you've ever done this, which is why it's a rough draft, right? Two simple questions. Why are you here, and what is your purpose? Okay? And what I want you to do is I want you to take maybe the next 10 minutes or so, and I want you to prayerfully begin to think through this. And by the end of 10 minutes, I want you to have a rough draft that you can come back to and critique and alter and change along the way, but something that you're able to begin to work through, okay? Some of that, you're going to go back to like, okay, who am I? What's my background? What am I gifted at? What are my desires? You're going to be thinking about all of those things. Any questions? Do I have an example? Well, I would say that uh, I'll give you kind of the example for me, for me, right? My example is I believe that my vocation is to equip the church. Now, that's like super simple. I could probably go a little bit deeper into that. It changes with different roles 
that I have, but that's, my, that's what I believe God's put me on the earth to do, to equip the church. You probably wanted more than that, didn't you? But that's where you can start, okay? Some of that, again, what do we talk about, right? My personality, I'm a, I'm, you know, I like to learn, I like to grow, I like to uh, read a lot, I like to communicate. People have, you know, I think I have the spiritual gift of teaching. So again, God's taking all of those things, bringing them together, says, saying, this is what I want you to do with your life. Okay? So let's take 10 minutes. If you need to get up, use the restroom, grab some water, do whatever you can, and then let's come back in 10 minutes, and we'll start with the next section. If you're watching online, take this time, do the homework, and we'll come back in just a moment. Okay? Okay, did you figure it all out? Get it settled? Yeah, that's what I thought. So that's all the groundwork, right? And honestly, uh, I, the last time we talked about this, when I preached the sermon on a rule of life, we just like quickly brushed over that. And so that really is the groundwork, and it's a lot of the hard work that you have to do. What we're going to talk about next is a lot of what you're probably thinking about when you think about crafting a rule of life. What we're talking about is priorities and rhythms. All of us live by rhythms, and all of us have priorities. The reality is there's only so many priorities you can have. Because if you have too many priorities, then nothing's a priority, right? So what I want to do is I want to show you um, what uh, he provides as a helpful resource. Uh, and what, honestly, if you go and you look at the practice section in your rule of life guidebook, you're going to find I've just about copied and pasted completely, right? So you've probably already been working through that. This isn't the only way you can craft a rule of life. But I think it's actually super helpful and super simple. Even uh, from the first time I created a rule of life to teaching it this time, I've changed and really kind of went with this more simplified view. So you have uh, what I would say are your priorities and you have rhythms. Okay, The way that he's going to describe these uh, priorities are, number one, upward to God. Number two, inward to self. Number three, withward in community. Number four, outward in mission. Okay? Those are what he would say are the four key priorities in your life. And I would say for the most part, that's true. You're probably going to, you know, you could have like subcategories of priorities, but if you're thinking big, big chunks, big categories, I would say that that is true. And then he talks about rhythms being simply uh, regular and seasonal. Okay, so when you think regular, think daily, weekly, and monthly. When you think seasonal, think like seasonal, quarterly, semesters, uh, or even yearly. Okay, those are the seasons that we, or the, uh, the rhythms that we're kind of typically, for the most part, living by. Okay, now this is, again, this is a great guide 
that you can use. If you go to the, uh, the Deep and Wide page on our webpage, we have this where you can download it as a PDF, right? So right there, personal vocation statement, right? Your regular practices, your seasonal practices, those sorts of things. Now, let me, um, let me give you some examples, okay, of what this could potentially look like. Because some of you might be thinking, well, you know, I have no idea where to put these things. Okay, upward to God, pretty, pretty straightforward. Things like Bible reading, prayer, um, if you do journaling or like a time of confession, any of those sorts of things I would say would be upward practices um, to God. Inward to self. <clears throat> this one's probably a little more difficult. Um, but I put a lot of different things. You might put journaling there, right? If you're not necessarily prayer journaling, but you know like to get your thoughts out, to process how you're feeling, you need that, that would be journaling. Exercise is there for me, right? If I don't go to the gym at least two times in a week, and really three, then I'm not a, a happy camper. I'm not a, a, a nice person to be around. So I need the gym in my life, right? Not to mention if I'd be like a balloon if I didn't go to the gym and do some other cardiovascular exercise. So that's an important thing to me. I've already talked about reading, right? You all know that I love to read. I have to read on a regular basis. So reading is something I know that has to be a regular practice in my life if I'm going to cultivate um, the kind of person I want to become and the kind of person that God wants me to become. Withward in community, that's kind of a really big category because I would, I would encourage you to think about your family in that. So if you're a parent, some of the stuff that Nick Perrette, our Generations Director, has given you, I would encourage you to think about cultivating in this category uh, with your kids. If you're married, your spouse, uh, your, maybe your neighbors, friends, uh, your, definitely your church, those sorts of things. Your V group, that's what I would put in that category. And then outward on mission, yes, things like service, evangelism, those sorts of things. But I would also encourage you to think about your occupation, right? Because your occupation is part of how you live out the mission of God. So Pastor Brick and I were talking about this the other day. But sometimes I would put in um, like leadership training, leadership development. Why? Because leadership development is helping me become... A better leader, right? Uh, or if you have work goals, right, then you're going to want to put in maybe those, like, this is what I want to do with work. Why? Because it's a part of mission, okay? So it's, 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 what that should be doing is helping you to not compartmentalize your life, saying, well, this is who I am as a Christian, and this is how, who I am in my workplace. No, 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 they're all the same, right? You're, you're doing all of this together as one whole person because hopefully who you're becoming is who God wants you to become in your workplace as well okay so this is a hopefully a helpful tool for you to use I'm going to show you uh, my current rule of life and so you'll see some of the things that are on there um, to be able to see what I've done and you're going to see some others as well um, so I think that's what's next right Chris some examples okay so I'm going to show you uh, one example that I've been showing for years because it's one of what I think is like really one of the most unique, cool uh, rules of life. But I'm also going to show you uh, some rules of life that were created from our past residents. 
uh, our past uh, residents in leadership. So, this is one, okay? This is way more creative, right, than the chart, the PDF chart I just showed you, which, hey, go for it, right? If you're a creative person and this inspires you, create that. This person, this was uh, created by Laura Hovick. She was a resident last year. So she created this, and then what she did is she created like a little write-up about kind of explaining it, right? The vine and the branches, right? That's what she's kind of going after. So God's in the middle, Jesus is here, and then she's talking about things that really are important. Rest, obligations, relationships, prayer, and the leaves have different things going on with them, okay? Just a way for her to organize a rule of life. Let's go to the next one. Kyle Piercy created this one last year. Uh, he's into board games, okay? So he created his rule of life making it a board game. So like this is like the board, what do you call that, Chris? The board game piece? The, the game board, that's right, there you go. Uh, these are like cards, so my roles, my gifts, my desires, my vision, my mission, these things guide some of his, some of his rhythms, some of his priorities. Again, just a creative way to go about crafting your rule of life. Which one's next? This is one I was telling you about. I don't know this person, found it on a website, but I just found it to be super, super cool and super creative. This lady's a baker, so she developed her rule of life as a recipe. And that's what she talks about. So she talks about like steps for making daily bread out of a lump of dough. 30 to 45 minutes of solitude. A heavy pinch of scripture. Two cups of devotional reading. Uh, two pounds of centering prayer. Two tablespoons of margin. Get it? Get it? Get it? Get it? Uh, a little extra journaling for good measure. <clears throat> so she's just... Super creative, right? Uh, I don't have an example to show you, but Bethany Schreiner, who's our uh, V Kids coordinator, created one this year. She's in the residency this year. It's literally a scrapbook. So I don't have a digital copy of it, but she literally created a scrapbook of like all of her priorities and then showed it, uh, with, showed the rhythms inside the scrapbook, right? Again, creative ways. I'm not creative. I have like five creative ideas in one whole year. And everybody knows those because I make a point to say, this is a creative idea. I've never had a creative idea with the rule of life. So that gives you an example. Are mine next? Okay, so let me show you. And part of the reason I want to show you this is I want, you, I want to compare and contrast what I have done and how I have changed, okay? This is a helpful way to create a rule of life, right? Rhythms, priorities, Okay? But if you notice something, you'll notice that there is a lot on this page. I tend to be an overachiever. I tend to be type A. I tend to think I can do more than I actually can, right? So I've created this. This was, uh, I'm trying to remember. This might have been right after I finished my PhD. So this is like three years old, three and a half years old. It's three and a half years old because I wrote it and then never lived by it, okay? So there you go. That's my confession. And part of it is because, like, there's no way you can keep up with all of this. It's just simply too much. Very neat, very organized, unrealistic. Now let me show you 
what my rule of life is currently that I just created like a month ago, okay? You might be able to read that, you might not. I keep a, um, a, a quarterly planner, okay? The planner goes with me everywhere. I live by the planner. Everything I do is inside the planner. So I go back to my notes section in the back of my planner and I put my rule of life in my planner, okay? Now you're going to notice some things about my rule of life. Number one, I've dated it, so January 19th, so just over a month ago, right? Uh, Quarter one, 2021. That means what? By quarter two, I might make some changes, okay? And I uh, I have followed his kind of overview. Why? Because it's super simple. There's far less on this than there is on the chart from three years ago. Which means there's probably a greater chance of me actually living this out. Okay? So, upward. Daily silence, solitude, Bible reading, and prayer. Uh, Weekly worship and V-group. One to two times per year, silent retreat. I I need some time away. I need to be by myself. I need silence. And, and I need like days of it, right? So you'll notice these are regular rhythms. This is more of a seasonal rhythm. Anything in with an asterisk is a growth area that I really haven't figured out yet, but I want to grow in, okay? Weekly Sabbath. <clears throat> this was an addition. My wife just got a job like a few months ago, and now she works most Saturdays, which was my kind of regular Sabbath. So weekly Sabbath, figure out with Rachel. Guess what? We haven't figured it out yet, right? So we're working on that, but I know that I need a Sabbath. Inward, exercise five times per week, Uh, regular reading, no cell phone, 8 p.m. to 6 a.m. You can hold me accountable on that. I'm not great at it, but I'm getting better. Uh, And then two growth areas here, at least one time per month, time to self. I don't typically get away by myself, but like have a day or a few hours. I feel like I need that, so I'm working on that. And then this year, I want to begin counseling. So I want to work through some things. That's a growth area. I've never done counseling before. I recommend counseling to a lot of people, but Dustin's never done it. He wants to do it. He needs to do it. And my staff has been holding me accountable on that as well. And after I've shared this with you all, they're going to talk to me more about it probably. Uh, Number three, Withward. Monthly date with Rachel and one of the kids. So Rachel and I are trying to get this rhythm together where uh, one, in one month, I'm going out with uh, not just her, but my son or my daughter, and then she's going out with the other child. And then the next month, we're flipping that and swapping that. Monthly dinner uh, with the kids. So doing something fun together. One to two trips with Rachel. And then uh, a growth area is I want to find a spiritual friend. I know people make fun of me for that, but like, it's it's hard to explain, but somebody that I have deep connection with, accountability, that sort of thing. Uh, Outward. This is a growth area for me that I'm working on, uh, writing three times per week. So I'm wanting to write more, and I'm challenging myself to do that. And then I've got a note here, have to adjust I have to adjust workouts with Rachel's work. I think that's what that means. 
So the point of that is like I also run in the morning and I ride in the morning. And so I have to adjust days that I'm riding depending on when my wife is working. Uh, Share my faith three to four times per month. Serve at least two times per month. And then regular deep work. Deep work is like getting in the flow, if you're familiar with that, where it's like three to four hours uninterrupted work and you're getting your, all your best thoughts out. Of course, adjust based on school schedule, meaning my kids have been online for you know, like two months now, and deep work is hard to come by at this point. But that's a goal, right? That's part of my rule of life. So you notice here, number one, it's totally different from the previous one. Uh, there are some regular practices, but there are also some seasonal practices, And unlike my previous rule of life, what I've tried to do is push myself, but not go over the top and try to include 20 new practices that I've never done before, right? So it's like, okay, one to two challenges. This is where I want to grow. And and this is where I think I need to grow. So hopefully this kind of helps you. You saw some other examples. Again, this isn't creative at all, right? This is on the back of a in the back of my uh, planner, right, where I can then go and adjust. It's written in pencil, right? So I can erase, make notes, etc. But that gives you an idea, an example of um, a rule of life. So that's mine. Chris, can we go back to the other notes? Awesome. So that's crafting a rule of life. What I thought I wanted to do tonight was not just give you some information on crafting a rule of life, but also practicing spiritual habits. Because what I have found is half the battle is not in crafting the rule of life, it's actually begin to implement new habits or or break old habits. Right? So I want to share with you just briefly uh, how you develop new habits, how you can craft new habits. A couple of years ago, I shared this book. I still go back to this book. It is so helpful, so practical. He's not a Christian, but the stuff and the principles that he talks about has immediate and direct application for developing spiritual habits. Now, in the next, in the quarter two deep and wide guidebook, I write, I write a, a very brief article on what I'm getting ready to walk you through. So hopefully that will be helpful as well. So what he talks about in this book is how to craft uh, new habits and how to break old habits. And again, the principles are the same for spiritual habits, okay? So I want to go through those uh, real briefly. This is not original to him, but he's got a thing in his book called The Habit Loop. Now he tweaks it a little bit, but Again, I think it's super helpful. So there's four things, the cue, the craving, the response, and the reward. All habits are based on these four things. Doesn't matter if it's a spiritual habit or if it's a different habit, okay? So what's the first thing? It's the cue. The cue is you want to make it obvious. Okay, if it's not obvious, you're not going to do it. So you need a trigger or you need a cue to make the habit obvious. Okay, here's a few things uh, to think about. Number one, you, you, 
you do this, and I don't have this on the screen, so just follow with me. I will behavior, okay, at time in location. Okay, so think about a spiritual habit. You're struggling to read your Bible. You write down, I will read my Bible, that's the behavior, when I wake up, that's the time, in my chair, that's the location. Does that make sense? Any sort of habit you have, right? If you struggle to brush your teeth in the morning, don't tell me, but if you do, I will brush my teeth when I wake up at my sink. So all, all seriousness, one of the things that I've not done well at is I wait to take some medications I need to take. Right? I'm supposed to take them as soon as I wake up, but instead I drink like five cups of coffee and then take them, which is, affects the medication. Right, So I started just simply, as soon as I wake up, before I use the restroom, I go to the sink, I take my medication, then I use the restroom. Okay, that, It's that simple. Waking up now has become a cue for me to take my medication. Okay, So you've got to cue it. I will, what's the behavior? at, what's the time, in, what's the location. Number two, there's such a thing as habit stacking. Okay, so maybe you have one habit, but you're not good at another habit. Again, think spiritual habits. You read your Bible consistently, but you don't pray. So habit stacking says, I'm going to read my Bible, and the Bible reading becomes the cue for then prayer, because as soon as you're done with Bible reading, you're going to begin to pray. Okay, I just told you, my cue for taking my medication now is waking up. As soon as I wake up, I take my medication. That's habit stacking. Habit of waking up, then I take my meds. Then I do my coffee, right? Your habit stacking. And you can do that with spiritual habits. Again, think about the Bible reading and prayer. It's that simple, where if you're just stacking these habits that you want to do, then you begin to do them. A great way to think about this, this is like a morning ritual. So if you've got a bunch of things that you want to do in the morning, begin to stack those habits, okay? So this is what my morning looks like. I wake up at 5 a.m., I take my medication, I use the restroom, I make my coffee, I go to my chair, I open my Bible, I read my Bible reading plan, I, pr I sit in silence and solitude, I pray, then I read. Or, like another book, not the Bible. I've read the Bible, then I go to another book that I'm reading, Right? The cue for, for me, I, I just said I wanted to write, right? Three times a week at least. When I'm done reading, I then stand up at my, my standing desk and I begin to write. After I'm done writing, it's time to get ready. Those are all habits. And I'm just stacking one on the other, right? Now, what I didn't say is I've got to make sure none of the bad habits come back, right? where I pick up my phone and get distracted on social media, any of those sorts of things. you got to do that as well. Which is the third thing that I would encourage you to do. You have to remove bad habit cues. So if you're, trying to, if you're trying to create new habits, but you have bad habit cues, what you have to do is you have to remove the cue. Okay? So for me, and my team already knows this, I've complained about it, it's, it's a, it's a, I'm addicted to my phone, it's really bad. So if I'm going to do something in the morning and I'm going to do all of those habits that I just told you to do, I cannot have my phone with me. The phone cannot go to the Bible. 
Because if I do that, I'm just telling you, I'm boom. And I'll look at dumb stuff, right? I'll be checking my federal income tax return at 6 a.m. in the morning. Did I get it yet? Right? Or NPR. What's going on in the world? No. Stupid. Right? So for me, listen, the phone is not an issue if it's not next to me. So don't bring the phone to the location where you read your Bible. Right? That's how you remove a bad habit cue. Okay? Cue. Make it obvious. Number two, craving. You have to make it attractive. Now, hopefully, these are habits that you actually want to do, right? So naturally, they're attractive to you. You have a desire to do them because you're looking for the desired outcome. I would just encourage you to think about culture and environment, okay? I, use, I think I wrote about this example in this upcoming article in the next guidebook, but like, you know, you know, like, it's not a good thing to diet if you've went to the grocery and you've bought all the wrong things, right? So you've got sweet things in your fridge, you've got salty things in your pantry, and then you're like, I'm going to go on a diet. No, you're not, right? So don't, don't fool yourself, right? Again, if you're trying to change habits and there are people around you that are not doing the things you want to do or are doing the things you don't want to do, chances are you probably shouldn't be around them because they are going to influence your behavior, right? So that's part of the craving part, that you have, to, you have to think about your culture, think about your environment, okay? So make it attractive. Number three, the response. You have to make it easy. Part of the reason habits are so hard to either break or start is they can be really hard, so you have to make it easy. Number one, create habits one at a time. Now that one is really hard for me to tell you. Because I've got like 10 things I want to do and change in my life, and I think I could do them all at once, which is a big fat lie. So what you want to do is you want to work on one habit at a time, and when you've got that habit down, add another habit. Right? One pastor that we follow, Craig Rochelle, that's what he does. Every year, he literally works on one habit. And what he talks about is he's been doing that for like 25 years. So again, you're playing the long game, right? He has now cultivated 25 new habits in his life simply because he's thinking about one habit every year. One habit at a time. Prepare your environment. So I've already kind of talked about this, but again, like I have my my office. I have my chair. I have my reading table, which has all of my stuff. My Bible's there. My prayer journal's there. I've prepared that, right? Uh, one of the things that I had to do early on when I was starting to run, I had to put out what I was going to wear to run the night before. Because I run early. Like, if I'm going to go for a run, it's going to be at like 6 or 6.30 in the morning. And I have a tendency to talk myself out of it, Right? But if I put my clothes out, that's preparing me to do it. So you've got you've to prepare your environment. Lastly, there are such things as keystone habits. Okay, What I mean by a keystone habit is this is a habit that triggers other habits. 
Now, you've got to identify those in your own life that might be spiritual habits, might not be. One author identified uh, three spiritual keystone habits, and, and now I'm trying to remember them all. I think there were three were this, Bible reading, prayer, and church attendance. And he simply said, if people would cultivate those three spiritual keystone habits, that is going to provide a cascading effect where the other habits that you're wanting to cultivate will come more naturally because you're focused on those three habits. Right? I'll, I'll be honest with you. I hate, I hated running. I'm, getting, I'm starting to kind of like it. But the keystone habit for me was going to the gym. And I had, to have, I had to have accountability. At first, it was we were just working out as a staff. And then Chris and I started working out together on a regular basis, right? And I needed that accountability because Chris would look at me and said, you're fat and you need to get to the gym, you lazy slob. <laughs> Not in those words, but similar. That's how I heard it, at least. That was the translation. And he was right, Right? Well, now the gym is such a habit for me. I don't need, Chris and I don't even work out anymore together. We get in fights when we go to the gym together now. Right? So I don't need anybody telling me to go to the gym. But the gym has now caused me, like, I need more. So now I run. Right? All of that's keystone habit. So, response. You got to make it easy. Lastly, reward. You have to make it satisfying. If you don't want to do it, you're not going to do it, right? Um, so two things that are really simple. Number one, immediately reward yourself. Now, I'm not saying instant gratification is always the answer. But when you're crafting a new habit and it's really hard, the immediate reward helps you. So I'll, t I'll tell you, like for me, it's built in. Like I use that Nike Run app. Like, I don't like running, but I like beating myself. So when I look down after a run and I see that I beat my last time or I, this is the farthest I've ever ran, it's like an immediate gratification. So it's just something, it could be something as simple as that, right? The other thing that could be helpful, and we're going to build this into the next uh, deep and wide guidebook, are streak trackers. So if you're trying to create a new habit, watch yourself. And every day that you do the habit, check it off. And check how many days in a row you've done the habit, right? For those of you that love to check that you've completed things, man, this is going to be like gold for you because it's like, I did it, I did it, I did it, right? And sooner or later, you don't need the streak tracker. You don't need the habit tracker, but it's built in that, right? The ultimate reward should be coming, becoming who God wants you to become, right? But in the moment, that is no fun right? In the moment, running, and I'm in, you know, I'm at the, at the beginning of the third mile of like three and a half miles, and I'm dying. That's no fun. Getting to the end is a blast, but you have to get to the end. So you build in these temporary rewards, knowing that the ultimate reward is who you're becoming in Jesus. So, spiritual habits, any habit, it's about cue, craving, response, reward. The goal is to make the habit a habit. You don't even think about it. You don't have to worry about it, right? It's just part of who you are. 
You're somebody that wakes up every morning and reads their Bible. You're somebody every morning that wakes up and prays. You're somebody that every month you're serving somewhere. You're somebody every week you're sharing your faith with somebody. Right? You're building habits. That's the point of that. So I want to take you to a graphic that we showed a few weeks ago about deep and wide. Just a reminder of kind of where we are, where we're going so we're talking about, right, rule of life right now. That's the deep habit, evangelism. We've talked about that. We're going to have an equip night conversation uh, literally in one month with that. Silence and solitude is the next deep spiritual habit. Service is the next wide habit. And then in quarter three, Bible reading and prayer. I'm really excited. Uh, Austin and Erica Carr are actually going to be leading a two-night uh, two equip night on Bible reading. And so they're going to be doing that for us. And we're going to talk about prayer as well. The wide habit of generosity. Then we're going to go in the end of the year, the deep habit of community and the wide habit of hospitality. Some of these you might be familiar with. Some of them you might not be familiar with, right? And this is just kind of the beginning because there's so many other spiritual habits that you and I can cultivate, that you and I can uh, grow into. So I want you to take, here's what we're going to do. I want you to take six minutes. We're going to go just a shade over 6.30. But we also started five minutes late. So I should get those five minutes, don't you think? Uh, so you're going to go six minutes, okay? Here's the next question that I want you to think about. It's going to be on the screen. What next step do you need to take? Make a plan and write it out. That's broad because some of you might have already begun to craft a rule of life. And now what you're doing is you need to go back and you need to tweak some things. Maybe you've crafted your rule of life and you really like what you've put together. Now you've got to think through some of those habits. Wait, do I have like, this is going to be really hard. Am I ready for the cue or, you know, do I have the right a next step involved? And maybe for some of you, the next step is I got to put my rule of life on paper, right? So that's all I want you to do. The next five minutes, what's the next step you need to take? Make a plan and write it out. And then I'm going to close with just some rule of life lessons learned, okay? Take five minutes. Okay, let's wrap up. I think what I, what I want to close with is just some lessons learned, right? I've been doing a rule of life on and off for like the last five years or so, and every time I do it, and every time I read a book on it, every time I talk to somebody about the rule of life, I learn uh, a new lesson, okay? So here are just, uh, let's see, seven things that I've learned along the way that I think would be helpful for you. Number one, think seasons and stages of life. Okay, number one, every single one of us in are, are in different stages of life. You might have small children, you might have babies, you might have teenagers, you might have no kids, you might be single, you might be married, you might be in school, you might be uh, unemployed, you name it, right? And those stages play a role in what kind of rule of life you have. So you've got to think about that stage of life, and you've got to be realistic and honest with yourself about that stage. 
At the same time, you've got to think seasons. Not everything lasts for eternity, right? Thank God. My kids will go back to school in person Wednesday. I mean, we are going to throw a praise party in the Turner house. And as soon as they go back to school, I'm, number one, I'm praying to God they stay in school for the rest of the year. But like my life drastically changes and I'm able to do work and have meetings that I've not been able to do. I mean, you can ask, they've been up here on Tuesdays in school while we're trying to have like a team meeting. It's brutal, you know? So, but that's a season. I've just got to recognize like right now, this is what it is, but it's going to change. So you got to think seasons, stages of life. Number two, I've learned this the hard way, take baby steps. Two to four habits for each one of your priorities. Just don't overdo it, right? Some of the things that we're going to talk about this, some of the things that you're going to incorporate, you're already doing, right? That's, you don't have to worry about that. That's already a habit. But if you're trying to add a bunch of new stuff, man, it's going to be really tough if you're adding a ton of new habits. So think and take baby steps. Number three, give yourself grace. You're going to mess up, right? I mean, I'm literally like, I'm reading you my rule of life on the screen, and I'm like, ooh, ooh, ooh. I got to fix that, right? Got to change that. Oh, Rachel and I do need to talk about what we're doing for Sabbath, right? It's okay. You got to give yourself grace. Give yourself grace. Number four, challenge yourself. Now, I just said take baby steps. That's important. But I want to encourage you to challenge yourself at the same time. One of the things that I love about uh, the Rhythms for Life book is it's like, what's one growth area? Right? So you're not overdoing it. You're just thinking, what's one new habit that I can grow in? Right? So you want to challenge yourself. Uh, number five, what is essential? And what I mean by that is... Do what you absolutely need. Don't overcomplicate things. Right? So there are some spiritual habits. I would tell you, if you're not, if Bible reading and prayer is not somewhere in your rule of life, you're probably doing it wrong. Right? Because we all need to be doing those two habits in some way. But again, don't overcomplicate things at the same time. Don't be like, I'm going to pray you know, 10 different times during the day when you just struggle to pray like once a day. So don't overcomplicate it. What's essential? What would you, if you had to do some reflection right now, what would you say in order for me to thrive, in order for me to be my best for God, to grow closer to Jesus, what do I absolutely need in my life? And put that in your rule of life, okay? Number six, reassess regularly. Because if seasons and stages change, you need to reassess regularly. If you're struggling to keep a habit, you need to go back. Okay, why is that habit not working? What do, what do I need to change? Right? Reassess regularly. And lastly, and I wish I had a lot more time to go into this, but consider variations of habits. And here's what I mean by that, and, and this is something that I've not done really well that I'm really trying to tweak, is, okay, you read your Bible consistently, but to help yourself get out of like the, ha the, the trap of it becoming a monotonous habit, how can you change it up? 
It could be changing locations. It could be changing times. One pastor that I follow, he reads the Bible every year, but he changes the translation that he reads it in every year. Just to simply like change the way he's thinking, right? To help it become more uh, fresh. Maybe you're changing the way you pray. Maybe one year, you're prayer journaling. The next year, you're praying out loud. The next year, you're sitting in silence and solitude, right? You're just thinking about variations. How can I, how can I keep this habit that I know that I need fresh to where it's a regular, consistent habit, right? But at the same time, it's not become monotonous. It's not become oh man, I just do this all the time and I don't want to do it anymore. How can you create variations of those habits that you need in life? Those are just seven of those lessons that uh, as I reflect back on the rule of life, I think are important to keep in mind. Right? What's the point? The point is who we're becoming. The point is who we're inviting into Jesus. And I can't encourage you enough to keep that at the forefront of your mind, right? The point is not to do all of this stuff. It's simply, how can I be intentional to become who God wants me to become? And how can I be intentional to invite others into Jesus? Because those are two things that God has called us to do. It's not going to happen by accident. We have to be intentional. That's the power of of a rule of life. So I hope tonight's been helpful for you. I know it's kind of a ton of content, but hopefully it was a little bit deeper into it. I want to encourage you, we still have maybe like eight or nine copies of that Rhythms for Life book. If you don't have a copy and you want to grab a copy, they're out there that you can do that. Uh, you can find all the links online for all the other books. Um, in probably like a few weeks, like two or three weeks, we're going to be trying to assess, particularly from our Vintage Partners, how they're doing implementing these different habits because we want to measure this goal. And so I want to encourage you to craft that rule of life and then make sure you respond when we ask so we can know because we also want to help you guys in any way that we possibly can to implement these habits and to grow in these habits more. And also, just lastly, I want to encourage you, we're always available. If you ever have a question, if you're ever processing this you know, with the rule of life and you're thinking, okay, how could I do this differently? Or do you have more examples? Or whatever it is, we're here as a resource. We want to help you take whatever next step you need to take. And so don't hesitate to talk to us personally, email us, whatever, so we can help you take that next step you need to take. So thanks again for, for joining us tonight. Thanks for joining online. Let me pray, and then uh, we'll be done. Father, we love you. We thank you that you love us, God. We thank you so much uh, for the work that you are doing in our lives. And God, I simply pray that you would help us to be far more intentional, myself included, in who we're becoming in your son Jesus and who we are inviting into your son Jesus. And so help us to take whatever that next step that we wrote down tonight, help us take that next step next. And may we all more intentionally and more purposefully follow you. We love you. Thank you for loving us. We ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. You guys have a great night.